My memory of church, uh, particularly when I think about church growing up in church. Hallelujah. Classic, hardcore church growing up, walking through the door, and this testifying service is going on. Well, well, well. Okay, and it's women that are sitting in the pews, kids are in the back pews doing homework, and the mother of the church is standing up, and she's opening up testifying service. My God, my God. Giving her testimony. You know, first I give honor to God, okay? Um, And then she honors her pastor and first lady and the whole spill. There's like a spill that goes to testimony service. Won't he do it? Um, And then the mothers of of the church, the motherboard, they're up front with their white outfits on. Um, the deacons are to the right, you know, it's kind of separated. Deacons on the right side and the mothers on the left side. Let them use you. And that would be, that would be church. But for me, in my experience, uh, the predominant number of people in that church that made up that church were women. Um, whether they were young mothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or they were seasoned saints Won't he do it? Uh, or the mothers of the church. Won't he will? They really were the backbone uh, of our uh, church service. But when I turn to my neighbor and I say, neighbor, hey. I see a woman that uh, looks like me in the pews. And then when I turn to the pulpit, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, Mm-mm-mm-mm. I see men and only men. And then eventually you start to notice there are fewer and fewer members of the congregation made up of primarily women. Where are we going? And more importantly, why are we leaving? From WBEZ Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Cheryl Jackson here with Taylor Coward and Jennifer Shea Love Long. And today, y'all, we're going to take y'all to church with our conversation on Black women and our integral role in the institution of Black Christian Church in America. We're calling out the patriarchy, the misogyny, and reimagining community. Later, we hear from ordained minister, Reverend Terry Owens, who serves as the general minister and the president of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, in the U.S. and Canada. Get ready to clutch your pearls and hold your mules, because we're about to get Old Testament blunt about the very things that are hurting the black church. That's coming up. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. He gives us competence, ability, supernaturally from the Father so that we can handle the tasks that are at hand. We want so bad to have all these freedoms that we are entertaining demons. In order to get to greater, you're going to have to let go of the fact that you think that some things are unclean because I've cleaned them now. You're going to have to grab a new revelation. Bitterness, you got to let me go. Death, you can't have me. I got to get up. I got to find my truth. I command you in the name of Jesus. All right, y'all. We're going to church today. Uh, what type of church did you grow up in, Jennifer? I grew up in a Baptist church. 
It was a little white Baptist church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay, rewind that. Little. White, little. <laughs> that's not the part. Okay. Oh, oh. Baptist or black? <laughs> I thought you said white church. The color of it was white. Oh, <laughs> I thought you went to a church. I thought you went to a white sorry. Baptist church. I'm so I was sorry. Like, oh, girl. I was like, that's <laughs> Explain that experience, okay? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to be descriptive. <laughs> Um, no, I went to a Baptist church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know, it was very traditional. We had uh, baptism where you actually were baptized in the water. Uh-huh. You go down in water. Yeah, you go down in, in the water. water. Mm-hmm. It was like a little pool. And um, we did communion every first Sunday. Mm-hmm. And How many hours did the... you spend in church on Sunday? Oh, goodness. Oh. Probably like at least four. Okay. Yeah. Well, you got out three o'clock. And that was just the service. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but between Sunday school, the service, and then, you know, just kind of socializing after. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So how about you, Taylor? Where'd you grow up? I had a similar church experience to you. I, too, went to the pool. I went down in the water. (laughs) Take me to the water. (laughs) Hard tea. I always loved the white elephant sales my church would do. I, I That's why I like got some of my first cookbooks were from church white elephant sales. I love a, a extracurricular church activity. <laughs> um, or like I just my my best memories, I think, were in the hall getting to know people. Um, and, you know, when relatives would come into town for holidays. Um, and so I had the similar Baptist experience. Um, but. I wasn't there for like Sunday school and things. My grandma often would be working in like the, like I said, the extracurriculars. And so that's what I remember the most. Well, I grew up Church of God in Christ. Y'all ever heard of Church of God in Christ? Mm-hmm. Cogent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't join in. You got to be born in the great <laughs> Church of God in Christ. That's very charismatic Pentecostal. Mm. Yeah, it was nothing to, you know, roll up in there at nine or ten and then you're at home by three. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And then you just come home to get something to eat because you're going to go back that evening. Oh, for that, Sunday. that I don't know about. Oh, yeah. What did you go back for? It was uh, YPWW church can, service. I know. Can we get that acronym uh, spread out? YPWW. You know what? I just knew YPWW. <laughs> I, don't ask me to young break that down. Young yeah. worship women. Yeah, it's something about young people. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> Yeah. You know, <laughs> usually the drill was you finish at three o'clock, either they would fry up chicken downstairs uh, in the church uh, kitchen to feed folks, or you went to church's chicken. You you pile on the bus that says Jesus saves on the side and oh. you go <laughs> and you go to church's chicken or whatever the church activity. If we're going to somebody else's church, you know, visiting church. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have to rise up and say which church and my pastor is and all that. So I had a very rich um, church experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember just the presence of women mm. in the pews and leading the activities, the raising money. Y'all, did you guys have that uh, on the side of the uh, of the wall where they had the church fund and they raised the move the numbers, you know, when you're tracking the how much was raised. Yep. You guys For the raise that. the roof yep. fund. Yes. <laughs> yes. We did have that. Yeah. We need a new roof. That's right. <laughs> and who ran that? Who who led that initiative? 
The women. It's the women. The credit union. See, yeah. In our it's church, run by it was women. the deacons. At your church? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, where were you again? Out in Arizona somewhere? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> New Mexico. New okay. <laughs> where were you? Phoenix. <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool, though. Not typical, but cool. Mm-hmm. What about you? Where, where, where do you go now, Taylor? I'm kind of a church hopper. Um, because, uh, I take other people to church Mm -hmm. or I like, I have an aunt who's really involved in her church. Um, it has like an LGBTQIA plus focus. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they actually have incorporated testimony, um, into their services. Oh, testifying service. And so I, I go to hers whenever, cause she does it via dance. And so whenever she does one, uh, I go. Cool. Oh wow, that's so that's cool. cool. Um, but I also go to a um <laughs> I go to a uh Eastern Orthodox Ukrainian church. Because uh, of your boo. Because of my boo. Mm-hmm. Um and I love them. I found a, like a community there. Uh the Pani, like the mother of the church, gave me her borscht recipe, her Ukrainian beet soup recipe. Um, you wherever you go, you're collecting recipes. <laughs> yeah, okay. oh, you know me. You know I'm a cook some. Um, and then my church um, is more traditional, but you know I'm just trying to find in my next phase of life what's going to be the church for me because I feel like church is often tied to where your family has mm-hmm. gone, and so I'm just trying to discover where where I feel called to. So yeah, I'm the church hopper who's Looking for a church home. Looking for a church home. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, talk a little bit about the role that women played in your church's past and present. They're the backbone. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. The literal backbone. You know, Sunday school and youth, like youth school, and it's women in very key roles, which was inspiring to see, but I don't think that that's the norm. Were they in the pulpit? Some, yeah, some. That's awesome. Yeah. But but I don't think that that is typical. Um, and so I was fortunate to see that. But I feel like it still is a boys game mm-hmm. in a lot of spaces. You still can never be top dog. You know, thinking back, well, in New Mexico, it was run by men, everything. Like, I I actually remember, I think I mentioned, like, the deacons ran, you know, they just did everything. And I think women were there kind of, as a support in a supportive role, but not in a leadership role. Right. And then, you know, in the church that I'm currently attending, it is a combination of women and men. But I would say that men have a more predominant role as leaders. And there are, you know, female pastors, but there are certain types of pastors, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? The youth ministry, the, the children's ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Children's ministry and pastoral care. Mm-hmm. What right. is that? That's it's people like go praying for people on the sick list, the yeah. sick and shut the in, the sick and shut in, the yes. sick and shut in. Yes. So I, I like you, Jennifer. I that's what I've always have seen mm-hmm. um, over the choirs, um, mm-hmm. over the children's ministry, mm-hmm. and now even for the choir. Now, now that gospel music is such a big business, a mm-hmm. big force, it is more common to see men uh, leading choirs. Now, my experience, mm-hmm. definitely no no women preachers. Women couldn't even step into the pulpit. Mm. You know, they, they bring, when it was time for women to speak, 
an evangelist or a missionary, mm-hmm. they bring a pulpit down to the ground level and they would speak behind that. Is that specific yeah. to the Church of God in Christ? No, I don't think that is specific to. I think I remember that in New Mexico, yes. too. Yeah, yeah wow. where there was like a little uh, podium Correct. and women would do like the announcements and they would do it from the actual podium as opposed to being in the pulpit. Absolutely. Yes. I was a fully grown adult before I ever stepped into a pulpit. Which is so odd to what me. What did it feel like once you were there? Were you like, ooh? No, I was just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> ooh. ooh. Oh. Oh, can I step in this? Is something going to happen? It's poof. Yes. <laughs> just, you know, what is this? I, it, it definitely felt like um, a special place that wasn't for me. The fact that I'm uncomfortable is, I think, contra to what the core of church is uh, supposed to be about. It feels like, in general, from my upbringing to today, mm-hmm. it just kind of feels like uh, taxation without representation. Because, you know, we're doing the tithing, the giving, the, but you can't have, you can't see yourself in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You can't be preached to by... A woman, unless, you know, it's you, there's some special program or mm-hmm. it's the evangelist is in town. Of course, she's likely to be standing behind the, the side pulpit on the floor. Have you only seen it in your denomination? No, I mean, there was a full out fight in the Southern Baptist Convention about whether or not women should be ordained. This isn't unique to a specific denomination. Mm-hmm. This is a man thing. Okay. So uh, whatever the denomination is, it's a patriarchy thing. And it it just doesn't sit right with me. No, I get that. I totally get that. It seems like it, it, it's the same in corporate America. You have to be super exceptional to have a mediocre role. But then the reverse can be true for men. You can be mediocre and have an exceptional opportunity and and role. This is a great conversation to have because I don't even know that I notice it. You know, like I don't notice it in a way that, you know, I think I was raised a certain way to see a certain thing. I didn't. I don't even notice it in that way. It's been normalized. Yeah, it's been normalized. Women in leadership or in the pulpit preaching. It has, and so like even now when I'm in the church that I currently attend. It is different. You know, I do appreciate that the experience is different, that I am seeing women in different roles. And as you mentioned before, some of these churches are heavily populated, obviously, with women and supported by women. There can be a tone deafness, right, where there isn't a connection to who you're talking to, right? You mean from the pulpit? From a, yeah, from a, the pulpit. A, man, a male that's pastoring. Yeah, sometimes... They miss beats, you know, where it's kind of like. And you're like cringing. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. (laughs) God, I want to tell this story so bad. Like, we had this pastor. He talked about, like, R. Kelly. And everyone was just like, ooh, Ooh. you know, I know you like that music. But, like, this is just, you're missing what's happening in this. Read the room. Read the room. Okay. You know? (laughs) Right. And I just, I think sometimes they miss, you can miss the mark when you're not listening to your audience. Which is why I think of so many first ladies who I wish would take over. First ladies know the pulse of their community. 
They talk to their community, I think, a little bit more intimately. And many of them are just as qualified to be in the leadership position and guiding a church. I think that they would be able to read the room because they know the room. They just seem to connect, make different kinds of connections. And you know? unfortunately don't get the same reverence sure. that a that like a male pastor would get of at the end of the service, I gotta go up and shake pastor's hand and tell him what a good job he did and oh yeah, hey first lady. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm less afraid to talk to you because I don't idolize you. I haven't put you up on this pedestal in the same way that I've done your husband. And I think the patriarchy feeds into that as well. It's all twisted, and there's some deep intersectionality that's going to take maybe generations to work through. Well, I think there's something dynamic that's afoot, mm-hmm. actually. There, there is a decline in church membership. Yep. So if we say that church membership is mostly comprised of women, mm-hmm. but we're seeing uh, in black churches— Uh, And we're seeing a decline in membership. Mm -hmm. So that means women, by and large, Mm -hmm. are um, not coming to church. But I'm on Zoom. (laughs) I I was going to say, I'm digital. I'm on Teams and I'm on Zoom. I already knew that about y'all. I'm going to call you out. When we first started this, you're like, like, no, "Mm, I do every Sunday. I'm I'm in church. I was like, I know there's some Bedside Baptists up in here. Bedside Baptists, that's right. My faith group is on a Monday. What I'm hearing now mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. young women, mm-hmm. women in their 30s, they are not going into the church. Mm-hmm. They have not lost their fever and fervor mm-hmm. for spiritual connection. Yeah. They're just feeding it a different way That's because right. they are rejecting yep. this, you know, institution, yep. mm-hmm. how it's organized. The extra. Or even the rigidity. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't I want to have the freedom to worship the way that it suits me. Even if I have to do it in this way, maybe, you know, being able to do it on on Monday or doing it on Zoom, it gives me the flexibility to worship and be in the moment in a way that's convenient for me. And there are times when I do miss, you know, just every Sunday I'm at my church with my grandma, with my brother, with my cousins. But I also have realized that times are changing and the church has to change with time. Mm-hmm. And some are not. But acceptance is a big one that's going to have to be universal. Mm-hmm. And then I think also bringing in women. And mm-hmm. and that acceptance goes along with letting women take on more. Because people want to see themselves, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, I think, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges. Because a lot of traditional churches be like, oh, you know, that's her daughter that's funny. You know, don't do all that. <laughs> don't do all that. And so I'm, I, many people are looking for acceptance and not tolerance. I'm looking for acceptance plus um, leadership, inclusion. Yep. That's something I can get excited about. I'm always on fire for the Lord. Okay? Do we hear a pastor, but, uh, Cheryl Jackson? <laughs> Girl, well, you should I, be. You might be the next leader. Uh, what are you talking about? Up next, we hear from Reverend Terry Owens, ordained minister and president of the Christian Church in the United States and Canada. I have been the only woman in a group of black male ministers. I'm immediately dismissed. And now what happens is that when I introduce myself and I say who I am and what I do, it's like, what? You're what? With who? Really? What? (laughs) 
Because there's not a black woman who has a comparable role in any of our black churches. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Reverend Terry Owens is a woman who has heard her calling and pursued it relentlessly. She braved a first career in corporate America where, as I tell y'all, it can be brutal. Her tenacity is further evidenced by her second career as an ordained minister. She's the first and only black woman to hold her position and the first and only black woman to lead an entire denomination. I've known her through a church connection, and she's always been so humble and graceful. But y'all, I'm telling you, she is a big deal. So I was so elated to chat with her. Why don't you tell us your formal title? I want yes, the world yes, to know. Yes. I am the general minister and president of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in the United States and Canada. You a bad girl. A bad preacher. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. It's a gift and it's an honor. I want to start with how you got started. <laughs> how you ascended to this pinnacle of your career, yeah. leading a denomination, yeah. a whole denomination. Yeah. Well, I grew up in southern Indiana, a little town, Terre Haute, Indiana. My grandfather was a Baptist minister. So I was one of those kids that was in church all the time. My grandfather was very progressive, head of the NAACP. In the 50s and 60s, he had helped to desegregate public facilities in Terre Haute. He did a lot of interfaith work with the Jewish community. He was very progressive. He was one of the few You know, people think that most of the black ministers supported Dr. King. Most of them did not. Did not. And my grandfather was one who did. Um, So I had that model of ministry. But I, I, um, you know, did my undergraduate work at Harvard and went into, I was an IT consultant working for IBM and Ernst & Young when my husband, Walter, who now serves as a minister of music at Salem, has been there about 25 years We were called from Chicago to serve my home disciples congregation. We had no idea what this denomination was. We just knew this was a vibrant black church that we enjoyed. And the pastor actually kind of reminded us a lot of my grandfather. That pastor was just exhorting people to acknowledge a call to ministry. And it bugged me to the point where there was a whole month, I think, where I didn't go to church. You didn't want to have anything to do with that? I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was in the choir. Walter's on the organ looking at me like... (laughs) Girl, you know, <laughs> he's talking to he's you. Talking to and you. so I, I finally accepted my call. And um, so why didn't you? What, what, what about the call were you fighting? You were already in the church. You're already yeah, a church girl. I'm an active lay person. Yeah. I led the children's choir. I taught Bible study. I was active in social justice stuff. I had this image. First of all, I didn't know a lot of women who were in ministry. Mm. This church had actually called a few people into ministry, I had no real model for what that would look like. And the other part of me was like, I'm making money right now. And my husband is serving a church. Both of us can't do that, right? Right. Uh, It was just a real practical kind of thing. Um, And I just didn't see, I didn't see myself as a pastor because I hadn't seen that. Hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen it. Had not been modeled for a woman pastor. And so I didn't see myself leaving what I was doing 
um, to be in ministry full time. And then when I was recruited to be dean of students at the University of Chicago Divinity School, that was kind of one step toward it. Right. I finished seminary in my early 40s. So this is, you know, my second career. It wasn't my first career. Right. Um, I started talking with uh, students about what it meant to not only discern what what you want to do, um, but finding your own voice, right? As a woman, you hear people preach a certain way. That was another reason I was hesitant. I was like, I don't hoop. You I know, don't hoop. There black you folks know what that means. <laughs> right. um, I don't hoop. I don't holler. You don't sing through your sermon. I don't sing through my sermon. Right. And I didn't think that uh, people would see what I did as actually preaching right. or even legitimate. There are still places where I go. And these are black churches. Because I don't preach that way, they'll they'll be like, well, we enjoyed your talk. Right. <laughs> uh, so in the black church, we have even for women, when we do embrace women, we have this model of what they're supposed to sound like, right. how they're supposed to carry themselves. And I, if I enter in to this kind of talk, then I'm going to be heard in the black church. Right. But if I don't do that. Um, when you're, if, you, if you move in your Oprah voice. If you move in your Oprah voice, <laughs> it's, you're talking. You're not right. necessarily preaching. Not preaching. But, but God gave me real clarity that that's just, you know, who I was. And I think that's one of the most important Things that I try to share with younger women who are just starting to call to ministry is that you don't have to be anybody else. Uh, Gardner Taylor, famous um, black Baptist minister, they used to call him the dean of preachers. He said preaching is just truth through personality. Mm. So you're speaking truth to whoever you are and however you communicate. God is just I giving love that. you that. Truth through personality. Truth through personality. That's preaching. So let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Black women in the black church. Mm-hmm. When you do see a woman in leadership, she's the pastor of the school, right? The, or, or youth ministry, right? Or the pastor of pastoral care, right? Both or nurturing missionary society and missionary society. All right. the, these uh-huh. very, you know, nurturing or the church mother, or the church mother, mm-hmm. or the prayer circle, right? Right? Okay. Right? Right? Um, but it stops there. But it stops there, uh, and it's a matter of our, I guess, our, what we think is is authority. Um, and and I think the history of black people in the United States has something to do with that. Mm-hmm. There are very few places where black people are in charge, period, right? Um, and so we've taken uh, a misinterpretation often of scripture. You know, people, uh, my own home Baptist church, I preached my uncle's funeral. My family wanted me to preach that funeral. The pastor wouldn't let me stand in the pulpit. Okay. Because he said, if I do that, uh, they'll throw me out of the conference. And this is the church my grandfather pastored for 30 years. My family was known. I grew up there. That's crazy. And these men would not allow me to stand in that pulpit. And I stood to honor my uncle. I stood at a podium, a lectern, wearing my grandfather's robe. That was my my protest action um, because I have his robe. But I've I've been in. That's insane. Yes. I have been in places where they have not only allowed me to. Uh, not allowed me to be in the pulpit. Uh, one church uh, redacted my bio. I sent them a bio, and they removed reverend and put sister. Oh. They removed any reference to seminary or ordination, and I was on the floor again, uh, sitting with the pastor's wife. Oh, yeah. Sit- sitting with the pastor's wife. So I think we've got a lot of cultural issues with places where where this may be the only place where black men can exert authority. authority. And so they're not going to share that with women. And a really... Um, but they're there because of women. 
They're there because they w- of women. That's, but That's a conundrum I yeah. do not understand. But here's what they will do. They will use those scriptures uh, that say, oh, the, the, the man is the head of the woman or mm-hmm. uh, wives submit to your husbands. Those scriptures don't say that all men are the head of all women. Uh, it, it's intended to have some kind of reflection in, in Paul's what they call the, the household codes about how families are supposed to work. Right. And you could have some issues with those, but they're not pronouncements uh, about all women uh, being under the feet of all men. And I have been the only woman in a group of black male ministers. Uh, and it's I'm immediately dismissed or simply tolerated if I'm on the program. And now what happens is that when I introduce myself and I say who I am and what I do, it's like, what? You're what? Right. With who? Right. Really? <laughs> what? Because there's not, there's, not, there's not a black woman who has a comparable role in any of our black churches. Right. So they don't even know what to do with this, so they immediately dismiss it. And, and, and until we get past that, where you can't even begin to imagine that I might have particular gifts. You've already dismissed me just because of how I show up in the room. So here's mm-hmm. what I heard and I've witnessed and I've talked to um, several women. They're starting uh, prayer groups, whether it's a Zoom, a phone call. They, they are, they're just not co-signing to right. that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like taxation without representation. Right, right. I'm just not co-signing to that anymore. Right, right, right. And they and people want um, we're human beings. Mm-hmm. And if you have any sense of spiritual understanding at all, uh, Augustine, who was an ancient theologian, not ancient, early, well, one of the early theologians from Hippo in Africa, a black man, St. Augustine. People will know Augustine. Mm-hmm. And he says our hearts, uh, I'm doing a bad paraphrase, this is we were made for communion with God and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you, God. Mm. So we have these desires to connect with whatever we call holy or whatever we call divine. And when you get to a certain point in time in your life, you're looking for that kind of connection. And you want uh, part of what church did for me as a young person was to affront, gave me space mm-hmm. to operate in my gifts, gave me early examples of leadership. But if we're not doing that, and we're not embracing this formation responsibility uh, for young adults and for younger people. And we're telling them, oh, you got to sit back and wait till Deacon Joe retires before you can have any kind of leadership responsibility. That kind of hypocrisy uh, is not only from an organizational standpoint is not healthy, but we're missing the opportunity to connect with people's spiritual formation. Mm. And that's what makes us fully whole human beings. The heart of the gospel is pretty simple. A lot of what we have as church is some male interpretation of how things should be. That's right. Um, and that's what people are rejecting. That is what people are rejecting. Can, can, can you just bring all the black churches together and explain that to them, their, their numbers? They, they're not rejecting God. Right. They continue. Yes. They're, they're rejecting the structure. They're rejecting the structure. structure. They're rejecting your organizational uh, processes right. that are designed really to keep certain people in power. And when they see churches excluding women, mm-hmm. 
and let's just name it, excluding the LGBTQ community. Come on, come on, talk about um, it. Whether you agree or understand, mm-hmm. uh, for me, the theological premise must always be that God is a God of limitless love. Mm. And so if I understand that, then I'm not, who, how am I, the creature, supposed to limit the creator? I don't get to decide who God loves, who God accepts. I don't even get to adjudicate that. Mm. My job is simply to proclaim that God loves all and that all are welcome at the table of the Lord. There simply is no theological argument that you can make from turning people away from God's church. Right. There's no, I, I, don't, I just don't see how you do that. Um, people say, oh, it's, you love the sin and, you know, hate the sin and love the sinner. That, even if it yeah. were... There's that. Even if it was that, let's talk about all the sin we got. I know. Let's talk about the adultery. Let's talk, let's about, talk about the hypocrisy. Lying. Okay. Lying. Let's, yes. let's talk. Even if you do make that argument, are you going to turn all those people away too? Um, we would empty out the churches if right. we turned. If there we wouldn't be nobody at church. We empty out the church. That's the whole point <laughs> of church. So we've got to shift that dynamic. We've got to shift that culture where the church can be, and there are churches that are doing this, a platform for social justice, economic development, and formation. But we also have to help the church see that we, we have to welcome everybody. Jesus fed the people before he taught them. So you can't expect, if all you want to hear is people to confess Jesus and you haven't changed any of the issues that affect their lives, the gospel's empty. The gospel's empty, and it's going to be limited to just some warm experience on Sunday morning. Mm. People have to see that the church is engaged in making their lives better and in making the society better. That is the work of the church. That is evangelism to me. Tell us some of the work that you're doing as the head of this denomination. So active in a lot of justice issues, um, but churches who have been working right. to first educate congregations about voting and then to get clergy to be present at the polls to fight against voter suppression and intimidation mm. work. That's- so Faiths United for Democracy, and that's going to heat up again for the 24 election, but that's been a really big and important part. And it's really about changing policy uh, at the state and federal level Uh, to help eradicate poverty, create a living wage, do all these things. So that's the joy of this position has been that I have a platform uh, to speak and work on those things that, that matter a lot to me. She is something else. Yeah. And you know what? She didn't have to hoop. She wasn't hooping. Now, I did like that. You don't have to be anybody else. Truth through personality. No, that's preaching. Truth through personality. Yes. What was your takeaway, Taylor? I love the social justice aspect that she's doing with her job. And I also love that she was saying, don't try to limit the love of somebody who is limitless. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it also just... The redacted bio part, man. I I hadn't. I I I was just thinking about how fortunate I was to go to like a liberal church Mm -hmm. where I saw women in leadership, where I saw men uplifting women. My reverend, Reverend Demas, R.I.P. I miss him. (laughs) He he was just a champion of all, and you know she didn't in her own 
church home. Yeah. They were they made her do the little side piece uh podium. Mm-hmm. You know, that has to hurt. Mm-hmm. But then to be a leader over the US and Canada who can really make change and I feel like she's energized to make that change. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, that was such a great interview. It's almost great that she and experience that to be able to see what to change. Oh, yeah. Mm. And be you know, fired up she, about it. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I love that she said was she said, God made us all. Who are you to deny what God made mm-hmm. and what he gifted? That's right. Who are you? Yeah. yeah you, Who is you? Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> these are all rules that we created. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? These were don't, not. Don't throw we, me well, into I, we. Well, okay. I say, yeah, right. I say we to mean man. Yes. yes. To yes. mean people. Man Society. Yes. So, like people wrote these things down. I mean men. Men wrote these things down to limit. <laughs> yes. Limit To limit a to limitless lim- God. There you go, Taylor. I don't like it. <laughs> and neither do I. But I love her. <laughs> yeah, she, she is the awesome. epitome of um, making magic happen. Yes. Epitome of that. And that's a wrap for our Black Women and the Black Church episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. Don't miss out on the latest and greatest from your When Magic Happens family. Subscribe to our newsletter, the perfect companion to this podcast. It's chock full of magic. Join our email community at wbez.org backslash newsletters. Special thanks to our guest, Reverend Terry Owens, for joining us today. You can find her on Twitter at Terry Horde Owens and Horde is spelled H-O-R-D at Terry Horde Owens. You can find me, Cheryl Jackson, on socials at Cheryl Jackson. That's Cheryl with an E. You can find me, Jennifer Shea Love Long, on Instagram at Being Shea Love. And you can find me, Taylor Coward, on Instagram at Taylor Coward Online. And we want to hear from you, our magical listeners. Our email address is magic at wbez.org. Send us an email or a voice memo. What do you want to hear on the show? What questions do you want us to get to the bottom of? We want to hear from you. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Elizabeth Cambridge is our associate producer. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Editing by Justin Bull, engineering by Dave Miska and Deshaun Smith. See y'all next week. I woke up this morning with my mind. Come on, Cheryl. Stand on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on oh, Jesus. Jesus. I'm walking and talking. I'm walking and talking <laughs> with my mind. <laughs> Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. <laughs> praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.